Greenside, the IGA podcast. Also, Mike McCoy, the 2013 U.S. Johnson, now a two-time major champion after becoming the winner of the 144th Open Championship. Welcome to Greenside, the IGA podcast. Clint Brown here with you. Well, the season has come to an end as far as IGA championships, but the podcast rolls on. Got a guest today that I've been looking forward to talking to, Barb Whitehead, 2008 Iowa Golf Hall of Fame inductee. You might know her as Barb Thomas from her days back in Sibley and played on the LPGA Tour for over 19 years. Barb, how are you? Uh, Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Clint. I'm glad to be here with you guys, you and Caitlin, and I'm excited to um, get a chance to talk to the Iowa golf community. You bet. Uh, well, before we, we dig into your, your golf career, why don't you just kind of let the listeners know kind of who is Barb Whitehead? <clears throat> well, um, grew up in Sibley and uh, grew up playing golf on the little nine-hole golf course there. Went away to Iowa State for a year. Um, and then I had a, a really good freshman year, ended up being an all American transferred down to Tulsa and, um, played on the team down there for three years. One year we won the two national championships when they were, uh, phasing out AIAW. Uh, so we won both that in the NCAA. And then I qualified for the LPGA tour on my, um, second try. Yeah. I think my second try. And I played on tour for 19 years. Um, I got married in 1996 to Trent Whitehead. And we have two daughters. Our oldest is a first grade teacher up in Colorado. And then our youngest is a um, senior at CU Boulder. And she's majoring in um, communications. And she wants to be a sports broadcaster. So now I'm, I uh, accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was a sophomore in college and became a Christian. And now I'm very, very involved in our local church here, Scott's the Bible, and Bible studies and stuff like that. So I've been fortunate that I'm able to be a stay-at-home mom, even though I don't have any kids at home other than my dog. <laughs> but so, um, so I have the freedom to do that, and I love it. Honestly, I play golf maybe three or four times a year. I really don't play that much. Um, we started a tradition on Christmas Eve day. We're going to start playing with our, the four of us, our family. Trent and our two girls. And so we started that last Christmas and it was a lot of fun. So we're like, let's make this a tradition. So, so yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. I live out in Scottsdale. I've been out here. I've lived out here since 1984 after my rookie year on tour. Um, so I love it out here. Awesome. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's just dive in, uh, Barb. Uh, what was it like growing up in, in Sibley, uh, you know, playing golf as, as a youngster kind of talk to us sure. how, how that love maybe started? Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, I think I started playing when I was about eight. My dad would go out. My dad was a, a physician there in, in Northwest Iowa in Sibley, and he would take me out, I think, like on Saturdays or something, or I just remember playing with my dad, and I just fell in love with the game. And like I said, Sibley's a little nine-hole course. Um, it had one sand trap on it, and I just I just fell in love with the game and I would spend every summer from sunup to sundown down at the golf. I'd ride my bike down there with clubs on my back and I would just, there was no driving range. So I chip and putt. And then they had a rule I could play before my high school years. I could play up until noon on any day during the summer. But then once noon hit, 
if I wasn't in high school, I had to play with an adult. So I would just chip and putt and wait for somebody to come along and they pair me with them and I'd play with them. And, and I just, I mean, I loved it. It was, it was, and I really think my strong suit on tour without that was my short game. And I try to encourage people to really, you know, it's, it's fun to go to the driving range, but you're going to, you're going to save your strokes around the green, you know, because so many, I'll see so many people playing, you know, just playing and they're short on a par four, they're just short and two and takes them, you know, four or five to get down. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, you could just eliminate one or two of those strokes. I mean, you really could, to, could cut your score. So I was glad that there was no driving range because it did. It just made me focus on my short game. And like I said, I, it was funny, but when I did uh, qualify for the tour, my 72nd hole, I'd hit my second shot in the greenside bunker, pin high left. And I hold it out of the bunker to hit it right on the number to, to qualify for my card. So it was kind of ironic that a, uh, I was in a bunker when I only grew up with one bunker <laughs> on my home golf course. Right. And then B my short game came through because like I said, I just, I worked on it morning, noon and night. So, yeah, so that's, it's, and I had a couple of really good friends there, Beth Kirkpatrick and Mary Schneider. Mary's from Sheldon. Beth was from Allendorf and, I mean, Beth, especially, she would just take me around and around. I remember one time we were playing and we just kept going around and around. And my dad finally came out because he was kind of concerned because I wasn't home. Wasn't I probably home. didn't come right. home for lunch or anything. <laughs> well, she she had made me play 54. And I was probably only like 11 years old at the time. She made me play 54 holes that day carrying my bag the whole time. Oh, and it was wow. just like, yeah, right. She was like, no, you're not going to take a cart. You got to toughen up. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so yeah but they were great friends they would take me to tournaments and Beth would play with me and it just you know it was just it was so much fun I loved it you know I just I just couldn't get enough of it so well you uh, had to, some early success uh both in the Iowa girls junior amateur and the high school uh championships in both 78 and 79 Barb, Barb do you do you recount a time where it kind of clicked is like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Or was it a matter of, and I, and I know a lot of golfers is like, Hey, I'm just trying to get better, you know, each sure. time out. Sure. Sure. No, I think I was probably about 12 or 13. I remember watching the dinosaur. Yep. It was a Colgate dinosaur at the time on TV. And I thought, I want to do that. I, I would love to play golf for a living. And that really became my dream. And, um, that really then was my goal. Even when I went away to college, I knew, when I went to Iowa State, I knew I wasn't going to stay up north for all four years. I knew I wanted to get down south. And not, not that Tulsa had great weather, but um, it was a great team. And so I knew that I needed, I wanted to get just better competition. And so, um, yeah, it was probably my dream from, you know, 12 or 13. And I just worked hard and just, I mean, I remember my, um, my, my freshman year at Iowa State, when I was getting ready to go to nationals, they were in Albuquerque. Now, I remember going to this field in Ames, and I remember I had a shag bag full of ball, balls. I don't know how many balls you can hold in a shag bag, I don't know, 75 or 100. And I remember I hit a shag bag per every club one day, mm -hmm. just getting ready. You know, so it, it I put a lot, of, obviously put a lot of time into it, you know, but again, it was just my... And the, the nice thing with my parents is they never, ever, ever pressured me into playing. I remember my dad would say, Barb, you can quit anytime you want. 
you know, it's fine with us. And I think for, that's something that I would encourage parents this day and age. Cause my youngest daughter, she played competitive volleyball and you would just see parents just like, just be all over their kids. And, you know, and it was almost like the parents were playing through them, you know, like vicarious, like, Oh, look at me. I, you know, my kids is golfer, this volleyball player. That's a reflection of me. It's like, well, not really, but you know, so I just really would encourage parents just to allow your kids to, if that's their passion, let it be their passion. Don't make it your passion through them. You know, because I just, you just see so many, especially then you see parents and kids kind of splinter and it's just, it doesn't turn out well. So, you know, if your kids have that passion, that's great. If they don't, don't try to force them into it. So that was one thing that I really was grateful to my parents about is that, again, they never forced me to play. You could kind of, kind of go as you, as you wanted and, and kind of do. Your Absolutely. Own yep. Yeah, yep. Awesome. Yep. That's and again, awesome. it was just totally my drive. It was just totally what I, I loved it. I mean, I just loved, then I loved the competition. I loved then towards the end of my career, I was getting tired of just the traveling. By then we had two girls and my husband was caddying for me. It was just, it was a lot of traveling. It was just, it was a lot. So it was like, uh, I think we're kind of done, you know? So Barb, one of the questions I had was just, I know you, you know, as, as Clint said, you had success as a junior and, um, you know, in your college years playing in the women's AM and, and things like that. What other types of events were you able to play in? Did you, did you ever end up playing in any, you know, local men's events to find some competition? Or I'm just curious, you know, where you found, found competition as a, as a junior. Sure. Uh, no, actually at the time, Iowa Golf Association, the junior uh, Iowa Golf Association had some really, I mean, there was some good competition there. Um, so I played the, you know, Iowa junior and of course the Iowa am, and I did play some national. I played the Western. I played, I went out to uh, Colorado Springs, played the Broadmoor. I never really had much success with uh, match play. I just, I don't know. I just wasn't a very good match player and, and all the, the top national women tournaments were always match play, which you know just didn't really suit me. But um, no, I never played. Well, I would, I'll take that back. I used to have some guy friends that I would play with. They're like a couple years older than me, and we would play. And we would, you know, we would always have some money or golf balls or something on the line. And I did play with those boys, and fortunately, a lot of times I'd beat them. <laughs> <laughs> gotta love her right caitlin yep that's right <laughs> i took those boys to the woodshed <laughs> <laughs> that's no, what caitlin so. does with me she yeah she, she wants a match <laughs> and then she just drops the hammer on me which, there you go that's there all right. that's she's a little yeah, short of cash me. come on clint let's go yeah. out right uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you're buying ice exactly. cream this time yeah, yeah right yep. exactly that's right. right so yeah so i really you know just played with friends and, and played as many amateur tournaments around Iowa that I could play. And like I said, I played, I mean, I might played, uh, I played the women's open. I think it might've been the U S open the first time going into either my senior year in high school or my freshman year in college. But, um, you know, so I try to play in stuff like that and, you know, just again, the nice thing with golf, it's not like another sport where tennis, you got to have somebody really good you're playing against because, you know, that helps you with your game or basketball or football or volleyball or whatever sport, but golf every, every week you tee it up. You're, you're 
playing the golf course, you know, because you can't be, cause you're playing against 143 other people. So it's not like you can play. Well, if I beat my two playing competitors and I'm in good shape, well, no, that doesn't mean anything. You know I mean? You guys could both shoot three under and the leader could be a 10 under, you know? So you think, Oh, wow, I guess I'm not, you know, so close to the lead. So the nice thing with golf is, is even though you might not have the stiffest competition, you can always improve your game on your own. If that makes sense. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So uh, Barb, if I understood you right, you, you played in a, in a U.S. open kind of early there in your career. Um, I guess, where was that at? And what, what do you remember from that? Cause I'm sure that was an eye opening experience. Sure. Yeah, no, it was up, up in Brookline, um, okay. Massachusetts, and they actually just had the senior women's open there this last summer. Yeah. Um, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember Gerilyn Britz from Laverne, Minnesota won the U S open there. Okay. So that was kind of cool. You know, she was grew up where she was, you know, 40 miles away from where I grew up. Um, but, uh, what I, you know, just kind of awestruck, right. Yeah, sure. You know, being able to see these top names, Nancy Lopez and, you know, uh, who else would be Carner and, mm-hmm. you know, people, Pat Bradley and, you know, people like that. It's just like, wow. I remember the first time my first, my first tournament down in, uh, Delray, Delray beach, Florida. I mean, my very first year of my, of my, I mean, my fir- very first tournament, my rookie year. Mara hitting balls on the range and Nancy Lopez came up and I was so nervous. I was like, Oh, Miss Lopez, you can, you can take my spot here. <laughs> like, I don't need to hit balls. My, yeah. I have my golf balls here. here. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. You know, and then after a while you get to know them and you're like, Oh, you're just, you know, human. Like I am, you put my, your pants on one leg at a time and you know, so yeah, but it was, it was, it was a pretty, it was pretty cool. So it was a lot of fun. I, pl- I, I really play my friends and I, we often talk about this. It's like, we kind of played on tour when it was just, it was a really cool time. I mean, obviously the money wasn't like it is now, but with that, with bigger purses also comes some negatives, you know? I mean, when I played, oh my gosh, we would sit in the locker room and we would, ch- I mean, our caddies would call it the black hole. They'd be like, you know, my players in the black hole, <laughs> you know, you come out an hour and a half later. It's like, ah, oh, sorry, I got to talk. And, you know, but nowadays I don't think they really do that. And it's really too bad. I mean, gosh, we would have rain delays or the, the day would be canceled because of weather or whatever. And I mean, we would go to the movies together or, you know, on our off days, we'd play tennis and, you know, just, we would do stuff together. But I don't think they really do that anymore, which is kind of too bad, but you know, so yeah, so it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. So, well, you mentioned you were a, an all American at Iowa state and then, and then transferred to Tulsa was part of the, the team championship, I believe in 1982, where you finished third individually, yeah. uh, Barb, mm-hmm. what was, what was college golf like back then? I'm sure it was, you know, jumping the van and you're driving to wherever yeah. you're going, where maybe where all did you, do you remember going and, and what was that like? Uh, well, we, uh, we would take a van, but if we had to go like, you know, to like, we played at say Furman or we played down at Georgia, we played up in Ohio state. Mm -hmm. We were fortunate enough. We had a, we had some boosters that would lend us their private jet. Oh, nice. So we could, I know. Right. So we would fly, which was really nice. And then of course, all the teams would make fun of us. They would, you know, you guys are just a bunch of spoiled brats and whatever. Like, well, sorry, you know? We got a donor who wants to help us out. So, you know, play in Florida, played in Stanford, 
um, you know, so really coast to coast and north to south. And it really, um, we had a lot of great opportunities and a lot of great competition. And it was fun because, you know, golf, obviously, as you guys know, it's a, it's an individual sport, but when you played in college, it's a team sport. So you relied on each other, you know, uh, I can't remember if we had, now they have five players. I don't know if we had six players back then and counted four, if we had, no, I think we had five and counted four just like they do now. So, you know, I mean, it's like, well, you're on a team. I mean, you could have a bad day and maybe your score doesn't count or, you know, your score does count, but so it was, it was a lot of fun, just a lot of camaraderie and, you know, and, and all the gals that were on that, those, that two national uh, championship team, we all played on tour together at one point in our career, which is pretty fun. So, yeah, matter of fact, we're going to have a, um, hard to believe it's been 40 years since that uh, national championship, but we're going to have a reunion here in Scottsdale because the um, NCAAs are out here at Greyhawk mm -hmm. and they're going to be out here in May. So everybody from the team, the players that were at nationals and also just the players that were on the team, we're all going to get together that weekend when the gals national championship is going on. So it's kind of a 40th, 40th year anniversary celebration. So it'll be, It'd be a lot of fun. In what way do you think just professional golf has changed from, you know, your experience and what you've seen now, uh, mostly just maybe some of the positive changes that have sure. come along for women in golf? Sure. Sure. Well, I think the purses are, oh my gosh, so much bigger. You know, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. It's, they're getting a lot of national exposure. They're a lot more on TV than when I was playing. Um, I think every week they're on the golf channel in some respect or NBC and, you know, so it's just a lot more exposure for the gals, which is awesome. And, you know, they have a lot more worldwide exposure, um, because the tour has become a lot more international. And so they're able to, you know, again, play in many foreign countries and, you know, play for some great purses. Like I know the the dinosaur it just got announced that it's moving down to Houston and Chevron's going to be the, um, <clears throat> the new sponsor, but they upped the purse from this year to next. Well, they're going to play in 22 in uh, Palm Springs. And after that, they're moving it to Houston. So in 2023, they're upping the purse by 60%, which is just, wow. <laughs> you know, so that's, so I think it's just a lot more exposure, which is great for the gals. And um, yeah, so I, I think it's, uh, obviously, uh, uh, more money is on the line now, which is great, you know? So, yeah, so I'd say that that's probably the biggest thing that, that I've seen, the difference um, from when I was playing to, to now. Barb, I, I wanted to mention earlier, you're a three-time Iowa Women's Amateur Champion, uh, won it in 1979, 1980, and 1982. What, what do you remember about those and maybe specifically the first one? Uh, there at, uh, I believe, Otomo Country Club. Right. Well, it was Corky and Idol's home course, so I remember right. that. Yep, exactly. Right? And Corky and Linda Frisch and, and Beth. And um, I don't think Susie Shin was, I think she was kind of passed by that time because I remember her, uh, she was one of the top amateurs. Betsy Bro, who it's funny, she's out here in Scottsdale now, and I run into her every now and then. But she was, um, can't remember if she was in Ottumwa, if she had moved down from Minnesota by then. But, um, you know, just, just 
you know, again, the competition and just the, the pressure of being in, you know, it, it's, I don't care where you win a golf tournament, you're going to feel that pressure. And that's how you learn under pressure to say, okay, I did this once I could do it again. You know, so whether it be your club championship or the women's state amateur or the U S women's amateur or the U S women's open, you know, it's still the competition. It's still closing the deal and it's still, you know, being able to manage your nerves and, and being able to, um, you know, successfully pull through on that 72nd hole and, and lift the trophy. So, um, Atumwa was, it was a beautiful golf course. I remember. Um, and again, it was Corky's, uh, home, home course. So yeah, just, just again, just great competition that I think really helped me get ready for my career on tour. You know, again, it taught me how to win, taught me how to play under pressure. And again, I don't care what you're playing in again, the club championship or whatever, you know, it's competition is competition and you're going to feel those nerves and um, that's good. Well, and you mentioned you, you were able to qualify for the LPGA on your, uh, your second try. Um, can you talk about kind of maybe what you learned, you know, from that first try to the second try and maybe what was different or maybe how you maybe prepared different or, or, or what have you? Sure. Um, we had just come off the U S women's open. It was in Tulsa. It was actually on the, our home course where we played at Cedar Ridge and I never ever seemed to play the women's open very well. I don't know. I just, I've never was successful. So coming off of that, I didn't play very well. I missed the cut. So I, or maybe I made it and it just, I was at the bottom of the barrel, but I just, I don't think I really felt good about my game going into, to, um, to qualifying school. Cause that year there was three, they happened to have one in January, July, and then October. And then after that one in October is when they made it only once a year. And so they were kind of phasing that because they used to have it twice a year. They used to have it in the, in January, then again in July. And so I just, you know, I just don't know if I really had a very good mindset going into it. Um, and I just, I, then that summer I played many tours and I, you know, had some success. I don't know if I won, but I remember having a second place finish. And, you know, so I think it's just with golf, it's so much of that is your confidence. It's especially when you get to the, the professional level, it's, I often tell my husband this, it's, it's ball striking for the most part. Most everybody kind of hits, you know, some people are going to hit it longer, of course, than others, but it's really the mental aspect of the game where you can really either, you know, come through or you can really choke. And, you know, I just think that, you know, I, I was in a good mental frame going into uh, that qualifying school in October. and um, you no, know, I just, I played well that week. And I mean, coming down the, coming down the stretch, I was in good shape. And then all of a sudden, I think I started to think about again here, you know, the mental aspect, I started thinking about, oh my gosh, I think I might get my card, you know, and all of a sudden I like, you know, doubled 15, bogeyed 16, like doubled 70. I mean, all of a sudden I was just like, oh my word, what the heck? I mean, the wheels just Fell off. I mean, fell off. Like you never played golf before. You're probably thinking, exactly. I don't even know. I don't know how to hit the ball anymore. You know? Right. I know. Exactly. It was just like, yeah, I know. It was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) So then coming down 18, I remember I hit in the left, I hit in the left bunker, like I said. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe it. But I knew I, for 
And there weren't leaderboards out there, so I don't know, but I just had this gut feeling that I needed to make a birdie on this last hole to salvage my card. And um, I remember getting into that bunker, and I had a tour caddy by the name of Bullet Bob, and he was caddying for me. And I got in that bunker, and I hit it out. And, I mean, I just hit a perfect bunker shot, and it hit to the left of the hole, and it spun right and went right in the hole. And I just remember throwing up my club just saying, praise the Lord. I knew I'd made it. I was just like, oh, my. it was just like, it was just like the weight of the world had fallen off me. I was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. It was really cool. It was That's really awesome. Fun. Yeah, awesome. it was really fun. It's an awesome story. And, and Bob had the, he had the rake and he threw the rake up in the air and it's just. <laughs> <laughs> enjoyment right there yeah right exactly barb so when you when you you know finally got your card and then you were in um really into playing on tour what i'm always curious just you know what what's the practice routine what's sure what do you work on when you're preparing for a tournament versus you know uh, when you know you don't have something coming up um just the split of your time when you're prepping for tournaments on the lpga sure um I think for me, uh, we would usually, I mean, sometimes you might play Monday uh, outing, you know, like a pro-am or something, but then you get to the golf course on Tuesday and depending upon whether it's a new course or whether it's a course you've played before, you know, you always have your caddy, your caddy will go out and walk the course and make sure all the, if you have a yardage book, make sure all the sprinklers are correct and the, you know, the distances are accurate and the green depth and green width is accurate and all that. So then you play your, your uh, practice round on Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday. And then you just kind of, you just kind of want to get a lay of the land and feel how the, you know, is it running? Is it a fast course? Is it, how are the greens? Are the greens, you know, are they receptive? Are they hard? Um, you know, so you just kind of try to, to judge how the course is playing, you know? Um, and I, I think you just work on, I work a lot of times I would work on shots around the green, like as those, if I'd missed the green, you're, your caddy, you know, you might put down, you know, some T's and say, oh, we think, a, you know, pin placement is going to be here, you know, so you put down like three or four T's on the green so that you kind of just play to those T's, you know, again, you know, hitting shots from off the green to see how, you know, the best way to, to hit that shot. And, you know, I, I think just really working on just strategy, you know, oh gosh, I, you don't want to be over here, you know, or you don't want to be over there. Mm-hmm. You, know, you want to hit this hole, you want to play it down the right side or, you know, so you, or if you have to lay up short of a bunker, you, you know, your caddy has that yardage. So you guys figure out, okay, what do I want to hit? You know? So, you know, just kind of strategy and par fives, you know, what, what distance do you like going into the green? You know, because sometimes, you know, if you get too close to the green, it's a hard third shot, really, you've made it much harder than you needed to. So, okay, I want to lay back to like 80 yards, you know, that's my favorite club, I can hit it, from, you know, so, you know, so, so just stuff like that, and get a real feel for the greens, you know, I think really, for me, that was probably my biggest, uh, what I focused more on, I think was the short game around the greens, because I knew that that's was my strength. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I mean, I didn't really I didn't really hit it. I wasn't super long off the tee. You know, I was probably average, maybe barely above average. You know, I kept it in play for the most part, but if I missed a green, you know, I was pretty good about getting it up and down and kind of salvaging my par or, you know, whatever. So, so I really kind of focused more around the greens and on the greens for, 
you know, okay, if I'm above this, you know, this pin, you know, how fast is this? Or if I'm below it, is it super slow going up? Or, you know, is there, cause I would always then in my yardage book, I would always then um, draw an arrow. If it was a right to left putt, if it was a hard right to left putt, if it's just, you know, just a slight left to right putt, I did with my arrow that I'm drawing would, you know, if it's a hard right to left putt, then I, you know, make it a hard, you know, hard arrow. If it was not, you know, just kind of a, maybe broke by about a ball. It'd just be a small, you know, not as sharp as of an arrow, if that makes sense. So I think mm-hmm. really for me, it was just um, around the greens and, and figuring out the greens. So, cause again, I mean, gosh, you know, you think about it, you can hit it. And it, when I, sometimes when I watch golf on TV, whether it be guys or gals and the long hitters, and it's like, they have a wedge in their hand and they miss the green. I say to Trent, I'm like, this drives me crazy. It's like, you have a wedge in your hand and you can't hit a green. <laughs> and I'm like, are you getting, you know? So it's like, again, it's, you know, we can hit it 280, 290, but if I can't make a three foot putt, that's the same, you know, a three foot putt equals a 280 drive. Right. And it's like, go work on your short game, you know, be sure to come back next time on Greenside, the IGA podcast, as we continue our discussion with Iowa golf hall of fame member, Barb Whitehead as she tells us more stories about her days on the LPGA Tour. (laughs) 